Hello everyone, welcome to a very special episode of the Desolation Sounds podcast. My name is Stephen Hook, and for those unaware, this is a podcast celebrating everything to do within the world of alternative music, be that rock, punk, metal, or extreme metal. Uh, usually we do a lot about the news, current releases, and just reviews from the current year, but I decided to do something a little bit different, just sort of look at the sum of the parts of the band Gallows. So... My original plan for this was to have it out when they celebrated 10 years of Great Britain, but various things have got on the way, so it's been pushed back by eh, some time. Um, finally got right into it now, though. Basically, what we're going to do is each member of the band, the hardcore Watford-based band, Gallows, have all featured in at least one uh, side project, and I'm excluding, I think his name was Paul Lavature, who was the guitarist before Steph but before Orchestra of Wolves came out as well so I think he was part of some demos guitar parts for Orchestra got handled by lags on both sides so I'm sorry he's not included I also don't think he's done anything musically since leaving Gallows but there we go but each mem- each major member of Gallows that's Frank, Stu, Lags, Lee and Wade why do I feel like I've forgotten someone and Steph sorry Steph um, each and every one of them have either got a side project or a new band and we're going to look at an album from each boy so here we go kind of them in release order for some reason i probably had a good reason at the time but let's start with the hardest nails looking bassist Stu gilly ross his band was called well is called spy catcher we're going to look at their debut album honesty it came out in 2011 it they are from they are also based in watford along with Stu and most of gallows um, they play a very eclectic version of alternative rock, and they are made up, as well as obviously Gallows bassist Stu, they are made up of members of Cry for Silence and Haunts, two, uh, I guess you can call them underground UK bands from back in the day. Uh, like I said, they are an unexpected, eclect- unexpectedly eclectic, that's really difficult, uh, rendition of alternative rock, um, often led by an electric organ. And yeah, they're quite chilled and quite laid back musically uh the song uh reason to breathe in is damn near hypnotizing the drum beat along with vocalist thesis uh wailing over the top of everything and i mean that in the nicest possible way you still sort of like lose yourself in the song which is you know quite a quite a cool thing if you're into that kind of thing i i, I enjoyed it i really i'll get into more in a bit but i really enjoy Spycatcher. um and like I said, yeah, it's quite chilled. It's not quite to the level of, say, post-rock or folk rock. And there is a bit of folk rock in Honesty, just in, like, little drips and drabs. But it's more more of, like, a summer rock kind of thing. So think of the self-titled Paramore record, uh, Gold Key, which I think is a bit of a cop-out because Steve Sears and Lags are both in that as well. Um, but now... Self-titled Paramore, Gold Key, uh, Spanish Love Songs, more like, it's not, it's like, it's hard to describe, it is like still upbeat but still quite calm and collected and it's like, you know, enjoyable on when everything's nice and warm and sunny like it is right now, apparently it's 20 degrees outside, fuck that. Um, it is absolutely criminal, if nothing else from this album, it is absolutely criminal that the song Remember Where You Were When Michael Jackson Died is not bigger and is not a more well-known song by just the general musical population. It has got a banging riff in there. 
the electronic organ leads the charge and it does so so freaking well uh the vocal melodies on the chorus as well just make your heart flutter if you have one this song just slams it is so fucking good uh don't like people as well it's a really good song it's perhaps the most relatable song anyone has ever written ever excuse me it is equal parts social cynicism and equal parts social anxiety which your boy's all about that life and Livewire as well as up there is a little bit more up tempo than the rest of the album and it gave or it gives Tom and Drew a chance to flex their guitar muscles and they do very very well um compared to so Spycatcher oh honestly sorry is one of the few bands that actually got a follow-up or few albums that got follow-up I should say from what we're going to look at today um the follow-up was called Lies and in comparison because I listened to Lies years and years ago and that's what maybe that's put me onto Spycatcher proper um and like i said comparatively honesty is a little bit safe the blend of indie and folk mixed up with the alt rock is fascinated but it's done to a much higher and better standard on the follow-up lies or l-i-e-s because i can space it around space it off weirdly um but like i said if there was one band that i'm reviewing today that i could bring back for another album it would a hundred percent be Spycatcher as far as I'm aware they are I'm not sure if they split up but they are at least on hiatus Lies came out 2014 which now is five years ago so um everyone has got other things going on so I don't know if we'll ever see a Spycatcher album again it would be nice but never mind and like I said for looking at Gallows for me Stu has always been the one that looks the most punk rock um the Shaved hair, he's usually got quite a um, let's pray describe it quite a monotone dress sense. He's just very he does look like he could rip you apart with his bare hands, so it is quite surprising that the one of the more like chilled and laid back records associated with like the greater gallows verse comes from him. And if nothing else, Spycatcher has, I know, like the star of the show is meant to be Stu on this because in terms of this special it's his band nothing else Spycatcher has introduced me to now one of my favourite vocalists in just in music Uh, Steve Sears I talked about him a minute ago he's also in the band uh, Gold Key he was also the front man of Cry for Silence a like I said underground prog metal band back in the day his range the power he has in his vocal performances He's got a golden set of lungs. I absolutely love um, Steve as a vocalist. And like I said, his work with Spycatcher, his work, his work with Gold Keys, he deserves way more from the industry um, that he's put into. And I would happily say he is probably the most underrated vocalist in the UK, at least right now. Mm, it would I don't want to say of all time because people sort of get very antsy about that but right now superbly underrated and yeah like i said spike like if you go i think if you go for honesty first it's better than going to lies first because i thought that in every single way lies is a lot better it's more refined it the ideas that they experiment with in honesty they do like i said so much better and to such a high standard on lies but honesty is still a great record to go to it's 
wonderful and laid back. Remember Where You Were When Michael Jackson Died is still a fucking brilliant song. If you're a fan of the excerpts, Canterbury, or We Are the Ocean, that sort of like big, dramatic, easy listening alt rock, I'd recommend Spycatcher. Just good music in general. You're going to find, let's say, try again. You're going to hear me say that if I can pronounce my words right. Good music a lot, but honestly, by Spycatcher. It came out in 2011, so even if you want to buy it physical, I'm sure you can find it on the cheap now, anyways. Really great album. It's on. It's on Spotify. Fucking lies isn't. Please fix that. Um, but yeah, really fun album to start with, and definitely worth your time. Right then. Next up, it is an album from our main boy himself. The boy in question is Frank Carter, and I've already done a Frank Carter and the Rats next album for Open Mic, so I thought maybe not go for Modern Ruin, and I've got. Um, End of Suffering on my to listen list as we speak. So I figured I'd go with the other band that Frank made post Leaving Gallows in 2011. He made a band called Pure Love. And so we can look at them. The album came out in 2013. It's called Anthems. It They played a very indie garage rock version of alternative rock. Again, a lot of alt rock in their side projects. Um, and yeah, it came in the midst of an internal conflict regarding the direction of Gallows. Um, and the iconic frontman Frank formed um pure love with the former hope conspiracy and the suicide file guitarist jim carroll from them united states of america land um when pure love became a thing frank would leave gallows and make pure love his full-time project around about the same month in 2011 i believe it was august i think august was the last show they had with frank um and soon after, they released their lead single from what would become anthems called Bury My Bones. And I remember at the time, one really strongly wanted to like it. it was, I remember Bury, Bury My Bones would be somewhat controversial when it initially came out all those years ago. Uh, predominantly down to that opening lyric of, I'm so sick of singing about hate, it's never going to make a change. Even back then with my musical naivety... I it felt like a pot shot at Gallows and everything he had done and rather undid everything he'd worked on prior. Uh, years on, I don't quite feel like that anymore or I don't feel like it was quite as dramatic as that. But I've listened to various interviews, particularly one with Lags he did for the That's Not Metal magazine uh, I think earlier last year. And... From there and like other bits I've read here and there, it did sound like it was, or it's like indicated that there were some weird feelings when, like his, a his final performance. A lot of it came from the final performance with Gallows. He wore a Pure Love T-shirt, and then that open lyric. There must have been, or there was like a little bit of like weird feelings throughout the band because not only are, like Gallows, a collection of friends, like in that magazine interview that lags did he even said that thanksgiving a couple of years ago or a couple of years previously they happened to be out in the states and frank invited a lot of them over for like a uk thanksgiving but still while still in america so that was really cool so to have like that's his fine performance and i'm still singing a thing about hate it's never gonna make a change for gallows that were made up of friends and literal family it was a little bit a little bit on the weird side and i can see why there was a lot of contention back then with regards to 
the new direction that Frank was going in. And yeah, even back then, I wanted so hard to like it, but because of that open lyric and the, the overall vibe of it, and let's face it, it wasn't Gallows. And I know if any of the members of Gallows broke off and made a band that was effectively Gallows 2.0, I'd hate it because it's not the actual Gallows itself, but I'm a, I listen to music, I'm a musical fan, therefore I'm scum. How's it going? Yeah, like, like I was saying before, it initially, My Bones initially gave me a bit of scepticism surrounding the entire project. Um, the song is lyrically quite cringe anyways. And in the grand scheme of things, I do think it's a bit of a dud compared to their back catalogue, like the rest of Anthems and the Bunny EP they released just before they split up. Um, and musically, it was more, it was a bit like edgy with me because it was a, such a radical departure from like the hardcoreness of Gallows with Frank replacing his like trademark hardcore yelp for a more melodic and actual singing style vocal line. Uh, with each new song from the album though, I warmed more and more to it. So you had Handsome Devil's Club, you had Riot Song and Beach of Diamonds. Um, yeah, warmed more and more to it and saw this as a really good, really easy listening summer record. Um, and it's weird when you say like, a summer record for me when i was saying about spy catcher it's like a really chilled laid-back kind of album spy catcher for me is more of like an autumn winter kind of album i don't know how to describe it but i feel like if you listen to enough music you kind of understand what it is i'm trying to not describe but anthems is definitely more of like a summer album uh ha handsome devil's club has frank Ellis ludist since um orchestra of wolves he's got a lyric in there like give me a good girl down on her knees and all the while, Jim is just in the background slamming down their Manic Street Preacher-style stadium rock riffs, just casual-like. Riot Song has one of the biggest and most anthemic choruses Frank's ever written. And Beach of Diamonds is his wonderfully chill, like, Queens of the Stone Age-style jam that lyrically is very indicative to the whole project. Um, there's a line in the chorus, which is, Dive in, dive in, someone's got to throw caution to the wind. A little bit on the nose, a little bit cringy, but then music tends to be. And it, yeah, it's just all about how, for both Jim and Frank, they had, at this point in their life, their career was defined on hardcore music and just overall being quite brutal chaps. So with Pure Love, it gave them the chance to um, just take a big risk and see if it paid off. And... I'll talk, probably talk about it a little bit more, but I feel like it should have took off more than what it actually did. But, like I said, we might get back to that in a bit. Um, when you get the rest of the album then, following those um, four single releases, it, it, there is more of that big, like, anthemic rock sound. And I can see why there'd be claims that it can be seen as a sellout record, but something just feels so genuine about this. Again, I can't put my finger on what it is. Um, there's the opening line from Burying My Bones, like, as cringe as it is to outwardly say everything we've done at this point, just, we don't want to do it anymore, essentially, it's not going to do anything. Um, the fact that they left both their bands for this effectively fresh start, uh, write music they both want to, to listen to. I don't know, or both want to write, sorry. I don't know how big... Um, Hope Conspiracy and Suicide File got in the States. I don't think they got too much of a presence over here in Blighty. 
but Gallows, turn of like the teens or tens, whatever they're called, the 2010s, the turn of the decade, Gallows, I'm going to be confident to say they were the biggest hardcore band this country had. And with Great Britain and all the furore about it and the Warner Brothers um, contract, I feel like they were starting to break America as well. And for Frank to leave all that behind because um, various different reasons, it's you could it's very much a thing of he didn't want to write gallows like music anymore, and I, obviously I don't know Frank Percy, but seeing what he's like on social media and in interviews and that sort of thing, he wasn't going to do anything by half, so he wasn't going to have pure love as a side project. It was going to be his main focus, and for that he needed to. You can't have two main focuses, so he binned off the biggest hardcore band in the country, which takes some fucking balls. Um, I've lost where I was. There we go. Uh, given the output of Frank Carter and Rats, I'll go back to that point of um, whether or not it's a sellout or not. The output from Frank Carter and Rattlesnakes, particularly Modern Ruin and so far what I've heard from End of Suffering, it's hard to argue that this isn't the kind of music that Frank wanted to write at the time. The more like summer going, big rock kind of sound. Um, and as cliche as it sounds, I think the album title is pretty bang on the money. Um, Anthems is a collection of really big, really powerful songs that I know personally I break out at every chance I get over the summer. You've got Life of the Party bangers like The Hits and Handsome Devil's Club, Scared to Death and uh riot song and you've got like the after party chillers like march of the pilgrims anthem and heavy kind of chain there's a lot of influences on anthems you've got the likes of max street preachers which i alluded to before um oasis queens of, queens of the stone age as well and sort of like a post-american idiot green day i'll throw in there as well but uh for for fans of part if you want to like try and get into this i've selected basement oh fuck hit the table Basement, they are a kind of um, indie-led email band. I listened to their album last year and really, really, excuse me, really, really enjoyed it beside myself. Um, so yeah, Basement in there. Lower Land Atlantis, which are uh, another band who I always feel that should have got, should have got more from the UK. They were a bit, they, I don't think they just quite succeeded, but in a similar way to uh, Pure Love, but yeah. Lower than Atlantis and Arctic Monkeys were. That's sort of like mid-period where they were in between being really, really spacey recently and this outwards uh, garage rock from back in the day. In terms of like why I don't think Pure Love lasted, the fact that in Rattlesnakes right now, this is all speculation, I've got no idea personally, but in Rattlesnakes at the moment, Frank is forever going on about uh, the relationship and friendship he's got with Dean Richardson, his like cohort in Rattlesnakes. He admittedly, social media even back then wasn't quite at the peak it is now, but I very rarely see him see him make any references to Pure Love or Jim, who he worked with on this, and something must have happened because it just they. Like, this is the sort of music that I feel like would have done really well. And for whatever reason, they just... It was stopped in a blink of an eye. They had a couple of songs on the back burner, which they released for the Bunny EP. 
did a short uh, release, no short release, short uh, farewell tour, which ended up becoming my very first gig with, with Pup, as I said to you earlier. And yeah, it, it just seemed to like fizz off pretty darn quick. So I'd always like to know why it'll fizz away, but the fact that we've got Rattlesnake now, he does seem much happier now. So power to him that's what's important to make sure you're happy in your music um but yeah as i was before going off on that little tangent if you go for basement go for uh, lone atlantis or if you go for arctic monkeys that mid air mid period sort of thing go and check out anthems by pure love it was their debut album it was their only album and it came out in 2013 right then something a little bit more different now from lags or if you want to be less personal I'm going to help him get his name like Laurent Bernard. I'm going to stick with that because otherwise I'll just be mispronouncing his name for about an hour. Uh, known colloquially as Lags, he was part of a sludge metal supergroup called Crocodile. And they released their debut album. Again, I want to call it Nakash. Because it's spelled N-A-C-H-A-S-H. Nachash, I don't think it is. I'm going to go Nakash because I can. Um... Nakash was a debut album of Crocodile, like I said, a sludge metal supergroup featuring lags as well as members from Sixth, Libernecris, Hexes, A, Metastasis, and eventually even Slipknot. Hit, keep hitting the microphone with my beard, that's fine. By far and away, they are the heaviest band from the ones I'm going to look at for this week. And I think they kind of have to be when they are named after a drug that can literally dissolve your skin. Yeah, so like when they first started looking at trying to look up the band Crocodile gets you some very horrific mis uh, images of what the actual drug Crocodile can do to a person so don't do that make sure you put band at the end of it and you'll find like a metallum link do that and, and I think a lot of the heaviest comes from the fact that they are led by a three guitar attack from Lags Daniel P. Carter and at the time of Nakash Alessandro Venturella and because they got three guitarists, you can guarantee that there's going to be riffs for days. On a life lived in copper but painted in gold, the opening riff is a sickening like bass back riff. Um, that sounds like it was ripped straight off a Gajira B-side. On Sobek, which is the penultimate song, the high-end melody played um, over the top of everything could easily rub shoulders with anything Jens is doing in Meshuggah. And the early Mastodon influences just run rampant throughout the album. And although it is rooted in that very early Mastodon era sludge, and I'm thinking Remission or Leviathan, Crocodiles still haven't quite shied away from incorporating a bit more melody into their overall racket. Uh, the opener, Shatter, has a huge building chorus that um, and a real relaxed vibe that goes into the solo. Uh, Porcelain Bones does something very similar before bursting into a just snap neck blast beat that sounds like it was conjured up from the pipes of the porcelain throne of the devil himself. I was quite proud of that line. And The Collapse is the closest thing I've ever heard to a ballad in sludge metal. I uh, just fucking adore that song, The Collapse. It's so. Ah! Oh, flipping over buses level of heavy and good. Um. Then there is like the little sparse bits of experimentation. There's a few instances 
uh, particularly the ones I heard at least in Reptilia Familiar and Sunriders, makes use of like a sitar sounding instrument, some kind of like string instrument that sounds along that sort of line. And it does fit in with the whole vibe and move that comes with Sludge. Like I'm thinking a lot of that Nola era kind of, or Nola scene thing. Um, and I'd like to have seen them, or heard them, I should say, go f all in at some point with that sort of guitar, um, sitar thing. It's a very psychedelic, Louisiana swamp style sitar kind of noise, but that's just me. I obviously didn't want to do that. Um, the Maston comparison has been made in damn near every review I've seen, and like, even the fact that I'm fucking doing it as well. And although a lot of it does come from those low-end clashing wrists from three guitarists, I think a lot of it also comes from the drums as well. Um, it's no surprise, it's Dan Ford, he of sixth fame. He does inject a very progressive element into the rhythm, whether it's little fills or little crash rides here and there. He is constantly adding something to the erratic nature of the music in a similar kind of way to, I want to make sure I'm getting the name right, is it Bran the drummer? But Mastodon, the way he does that as well. And yeah, I think it just all fits in rather nicely. This is an album you could easily lose yourself in. It is 45 minutes of bone-rattling riffs, which didn't lose me as much as I thought it was. Sludge isn't something that I go for a lot, because people do... It tends to get a little bit too doomy for my particular liking. Uh, the latter half does act as a recovery period for the absolute brutality of the first half of the album. Um, there's a lot more melody, a bit more stretch out notes to the point where I think the second half can sit further in that doom metal circle. Precisely the sort of thing I just said I didn't like. Good job notes. Um, for album number two, which I wrote these notes down before, uh, going on and seeing... Daniel P. Carter's Instagram last night, he did like a Q&A sort of thing, and someone asked him, is there going to be, is Crocodile still a thing? To which he posted like a little teaser of a demo, and it sounds fucking heavy as shit, so maybe a Crocodile will do Crocodile album 2 sometime in the future. I know, I'd be very excited. Um, but for me personally, I break that sitar out, whatever it is, if it's a sitar, if it's some other... If it's just a weird effect on like a normal guitar, break that out, go absolutely hammering it. Like I said, maybe like a full psychedelic uh, dreamscape kind of song with it. Play around with cleans. Like they had Biffy Clyro frontman Simon Neal in for the song Sunriders. And I think he did a really good job of like contrasting all the brutality with his, um, his style of cleans. So I'd like them to do a little bit more of that. And yeah, just overall pushed the boat out a little. I read one review that sort of said it does get quite repetitive, the low-end guitars and... Um, gosh, I've forgotten his name. Simon Wright's, like, low-end vocals. And like I said, for 45 minutes, I didn't quite feel it, but I could understand the point they're trying to make. So yeah, just experiment a bit more, which I know goes against everything anyone ever says about an album ever, but I like to be different. For fans of, I know we keep going on about it, I know everyone keeps going on about it, so get out of the way now. Mastodon, or the really easy one you can compare to, Crocodile. Also, Condra, a new, like a newer kind of band to do this as well. And I believe they're pronounced Lynn. They are from Copenhagen, they do a very, like, expansive post-metal form of sludge metal, and they sound fucking incredible. Um, 
but it's spelled L-L-N-N. And I think it's pronounced Lin, so either way, if not, L-L-N-N. Uh, Mastodon, Chondra, Lin, or L-L-N-N, just be fucking difficult. Um, it is sludge metal, but a very interesting form of sludge metal, full of riffs, full of just demonism. That's a thing. Um, any of those, go for the debut album from Crocodile. It is called Nakash. It came out in 2015. No, 2013. 2014. Split difference. Came out in 2014. It was a side project, one of the many side projects of Lags. And yeah, it's actually quite brilliant. So definitely check it out if you like things on the heavier side. Right then, on to the second of the two Carter brothers to feature in galas over their lifetime. A few years after. So. Where's the best place? Steph stayed with the band without Frank for about a year. He was part of the first album they did with Wade. Um, and yeah, I think he left very shortly after that self-titled album came out in 2012. Uh, took a bit of a break and I think he focused more on producing at that time. But eventually came back in 2015 with a pledge-funded album called The Death of Everything New. It was part of a band called The Ghost Riders in the Sky. Um, it would end up being their only album. I'll talk about it a bit more in a second. And they are equal parts UK, equal parts US of A. And they are UK Americana blend of rock. Bland of rock. Blend of rock. I was, I was precisely trying not to say bland. Because it's anything but. Um, and that cross-Atlantic vibe to the album, it's... They're, it's there in abundance you've got obviously well it's led by Steph and his wife Gillian who is an American so that blend of US Americana and that UK punk rock is just sprawled throughout the entire album to the point where it is actually really hard to pick out points where it is this is the punk part and this is the Americana part because the album just does such a good job of blending and intertwining those two genres together. Um, as an example, Wastelands uh, has this like hard-hitting hard drums that carry the song, and lyrically it just sounds so pissed off and pessimistic, plus the solo absolutely slams. So that's all like the po punk rock things you want in it, but with the dual vocals from Gillian and Paul Taylor, they just fit so well and effort effortlessly into that the country side of things. And it's all backed up by like a really subtle brass section and a spaghetti western style guitar riff. And it sounds fucking amazing. Similarly on what could be the intro guitar scratch and drum roll. You expect like a really dirty, really filthy, um, maybe bass led punk track. And instead it's this like dark country rock song that has this incredible, like surprisingly uplifting in the grand scheme of things, trumpet fronted chorus. And it's fucking brilliant. The only time it really bucks that trend of blending the two genres together is when it fully embraces its country Americana side in the songs A Haunting and Dark Love. Um, A Haunting has the male vocalist, uh, Paul Taylor, he almost adopts like a Mike Ness blues punk style drawl and that's all backed up by Gillian who and as well as Gillian who I'll talk about a bit more with Gillian in a sec but there's another amazing guitar solo as well just an entire solo section just 
is produced and written so well. And Dark Love has Gillian take center stage to show off her like lyrical chops, and she, like she's got such a powerful voice at often the most delicate moments. It is she's done a great job in here, and I was quite surprised. I uh, tried to look her up on Discogs, and as far as I'm aware, this is like the only major thing she's done, which is quite surprising because she's like I said, really strong vocal on her and. I'll talk about it a little bit more in a bit, but they've got a new band called Lioness, and I hope that gives it a chance to show off a little bit more on that too. Um, but yeah, get to that when we get there. Uh, other standout tracks from the album include Eye of the Day, which is this dark, sultry, stalker kind of song that sounds like um, the breakup scene from a very romantic drama. Opening song, The Trip, which I think would have tricked people, probably tricked me back in the day. Um trick people for like the overall mood and aesthetic of the album because while musically it is one of the more uplifting sounding songs on the album lyrically quite bleak and that's the recurring theme in the album it's quite it's still got the punk rock cynicism of steph quite quite up front throughout the album um and the final track which is the title track it is a seven and a half minute opus that starts off with a very sombre um, ballad kind of thing, akin to like the haunting and dark love, before it explodes into the Steph Carter show, and it is this bombastic rock solo to see off the song and the album, and it sounds just gigantic. Uh, I had a lot of fun with this album. I did not give it enough time back in the day. Like I said, it was a pledge-funded pledge album, that I put money to and I've got like a signed copy of the album and it's very very nice and pretty the artwork on the CD and on the front is just uh, incredible I love that out that kind of art style um and yeah for whatever reason I just I barely gave it time of day back in the day I'm glad doing this I can go back to it because it is I think maybe second to anthem it might be yeah it's my, I still prefer anthems, but apart from that, second favourite album from everything I've listened to for this um, like project kind of thing. Special, that's what I was trying to think of. Special project, project special, whatever you want to go for. Um, it ended up being like the one and only album for Ghost Rise in the Sky, which is a massive shame. Uh, I'm fairly certain I've seen somewhere Steph label... Um, Ghost Rise in the Sky. He was very proud of this project and was very sad to see it go. And like I said, I can't blame him. The music in here is fucking incredible. And the dual vocals of Paul and Gillian just work so very well. I know... I'm about 90% certain Gillian had some health problems, which I may have made a factor in this. And by that, I think she did have back surgery. Bless her heart. Um, so I think I might have like put uh, things in perspective, and maybe that's why a lot of, well, maybe a reason why um, Ghost Rising Sky didn't carry on, because it just wasn't viable for her at the time. Which you know, as I say, similarly to Frank, you need to put yourself first at sometimes. And but I think musically as well, it might have had a factor as well, because as good as this album is, it is too punk for people who are fans of Americana and I think it's too Americana for people who are a fan of punk rock and 
like you look at more latter day social distortion kind of stuff when they started introducing this more like country and blues kind of stuff people don't go for those albums anymore they go back to the old school like mommy's little monster you know like the self-titled and the follow-up whose name i can't remember um like the album that has story of my life no so social distortion was the self-titled and mommy's little monster was the next one it's been a while since i've gone in social um yeah, I think a lot of that as well, just musically, it didn't really fit into a, ca- to a category. It was very niche musically, but yeah, it's a fucking shame that it didn't carry on because I thought this album was a fucking delight. They have since formed, so Steph Gillian and a few others who, I apologize, I can't remember any of the, any of their names. Uh, Steph and Gillian have gone on to make a new band called Lioness, which, as far as I'm aware, nothing concrete has been released yet. But there's been little previews and such on Instagram, like Instagram uh, stories and that kind of thing. And I cannot wait for actual music to be released for that because so far it is massive riffs, like really chunky riffs to come out of it. Um, haven't seen too much of what it sounds like lyrically, but again, about 90% sure in certain Julian is fronting again. And... Yeah, I'm very, very excited to hear what that sounds like. It's Lioness, L-Y-O-N-E-S-S. But, I'm not talking about it right now. If you want to go for Ghost Riders in the Sky, I'd recommend it if you are a fan of Alex Jordan and company. I'm going to throw Nervous in there as well, because although they don't have a lot of the Americana style, well, the, uh, the Americana end of things, the alt-rock and like borderline indie punk stuff that Nervous do can translate quite well into Ghost Riders in the Sky. And as well as that, the Beautiful South, I fucking adore the Beautiful South, so I don't feel that as a negative statement at all. But the dual-led male-female vocals, Beautiful South at times did experiment with, well, they were an indie rock band to begin with, but they experimented with brass instruments and just overall like little country things here and there. I think you can slam, there in as well, slam them in there as well. So yeah, Alex Jordan and company, Nervous and Beautiful South, if you go for any of them, Give this a go. It is a really, really fun, really, really chill album. I keep saying the word chill. I need to find... I need to open up a thesaurus and get better words, but... Ghost Riders in the Sky, the debut album, well, the only album was called The Death of Everything New. It came out in 2015, and yeah, definitely worth your time again. Right then, on to the penultimate album for this special then. Uh, Lost my place. So when Frank left Gallows in 2011, yeah, 2011, almost forgot. Um, there was lots of rumours, lots of speculation, but in the end, the replacement was announced as Wade McNeil, that then, very, very recently, formerly of Alexis on Fire. Now, as it turns out, around about the time he was joining Gallows in this like frantic Watford-based punk rock tornado that ripped through uh, the UK... He was also working on another, well, his own side project called Black Lungs. And the album ended up becoming Pagan Holiday and it came out Halloween 2015. It is the second album from Wade and his um, Ontario, Canada based project. And it's very, very hardcore and a little bit tinged with horror punk in there as well. Um, he made it initially when he was like during his core time in Alexis on Fire. I believe like 2008 2007 back then and on that first album which is called send flowers it was more it was very folk rock imagine if frank turner used an electric guitar 
is the best way I can describe it, I think. Um, to the point where I think it could even rub shoulders with um, the Ghost Riders in the Sky with Steph. But there we are. Uh, album number two, Pagan Holiday. Does not quite sound like that at all. I keep hitting the fucking mic stand with my beard pellet and I'm very, very angry. Um, so if you keep hearing it ticking, it's a little bead I put at the end of my beard to try and look edgy and I'm sorry. With album number two from Black Lungs, uh, Wade, like I said, went down a slightly more different route. It is possibly, well, it's easily the most Gallows album from any of these side projects. It is um, a blistering effort of hardcore punk. Um, the opening title track sounds like it is that middle ground between Orchestra of Wolves and Great Britain. Even more so than what Goldust did. And Goldust literally came out between Orchestra and Wolves and Great Britain. And it's a very rare song, so if you haven't heard it, go look for it. It's fucking great. It is a, like I said, it's a very gritty, very fast-paced OG hardcore album. Where Wade, at every single syllable, sounds like he is spewing blood. Because it's just friendly. Um, the only time it really lets up is on uh, the song Valley of the Dolls. Which takes on a bit more of a post-punk post punk approach and the closing song for love of ivy is a i think it was gun club cover so yeah a little bit more a little bit different in um the overall aesthetic of the album pagan holiday but the rest of it though okay rise out um it was like i said it was promised four years prior um in 2011 but with respect and with in defense of wade mcneil 2011 got very busy for him very, very quickly. Uh, he left... So Alexis on Fire split up. He was working on this in the background. Ended up joining Gallows and started touring and writing with them all but immediately. Um, he got a radio gig in Toronto. At some point, I don't know if this happened the same sort of time or not, but he started writing music for video games and movies he's also collaborated with a friend of his i believe his name was matty matheson who is a youtube cook or just a, a, a cook he's got his own um book out which i'm desperately trying to buy so yeah he was quite busy around about this sort of time so you can forgive him for not releasing his side project band directly when he said it was going to um and in hindsight it does sort of set up this like born again punk image that wade has had since joining gallows um he like you see him in press shots now or anything with gallows just on his insta he's very it's either tartan black or denim he's got a cross tattooed on his head now he dyes his hair all different kind of colors it is a mid-career renaissance for wade and i think if pagan holiday came out when everyone was expecting it in 2011 that transition into gallows probably wouldn't have been as daunting as it was from a fan for a fan point of view because i know i had i had i'll first admit because he wasn't frank and like i said back when i was younger everything had to be frank and gallows blah 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 blah. um it just would have eliminated all because it would have shown that he can be out and out punk rock when he needs to be and in the end the self-titled gallows album did that anyways and Wade is fucking brilliant as a frontman of Gallows, and I love him very dearly. The I'm kind of wondering, having said all that, 
if ideas and tidbits from the Pagan Holiday sessions made into future Gals releases. And I spoke about like the familiarity of Pagan Holiday being like a very um, gallowsy kind of song. But on like the chord progression as well. On the song California Evil, the second verse opens with, I believe the line is, um, you need to be afraid. And then the rest of the song continues. The way he sings that line and just literally the lyrics of the line in general, very, very similar to the opening line of Mystic Death from Desolation Sounds, album number four. Um, and again, chord progression wise, it's very Gallows-like. So it's not a knock against Wade or Gallows. I think it'd be super interesting, actually, if it turns out that a lot of ideas from Black Lung or Pagan Holiday Sessions made into subsequent releases with Wade fronting Gallows. I think it'd be pretty fucking cool, actually. But again, if hindsight's a beautiful thing, hindsight's 2020, had this come out in 2011 and this sort of music style was like bleeding into subsequent Gallows albums or Gallows releases, yeah, there wouldn't have been as much... There was a lot of celebration when Wade got announced, but as, as with everything, there's always that level of skepticism. But I think that would have quashed a lot of it pretty darn quick. Uh, Wade's natural rasp, rasp just works so effortlessly in punk music. Um, whereas the debut album, uh, like I said, it's called Send Flowers, um, it feels more adjusted to like summer festivals and relaxing and, you know, just like, hanging out with your friends being all like happy and shit pagan holiday is more suited for dive bars and headbutting walls and not being able to feel which more my thing um it's not as lasting as the other albums it is sub 30 minutes although in the moment it is a frantic mess that is very very enjoyable as soon as it's over you are ready to move on which bit of a shame but still a worthwhile punk album if you're into that kind of thing I'd recommend it for fans of Comeback Kid, uh, The Ghost of a Thousand. I'm going to throw Murder Dolls in there as well because I feel like it's got a definite horror punk element just like strewn away in there as well. Um, but yeah, Comeback Kid, Ghost of a Thousand, Murder Dolls, check out Wade McNeil's side project, Black Lungs, and their second album, Pagan Holiday. And it came out in 2015. Okay, so let's go on to the last album we're going to look out for this special i imagine things will resume as normal next week but i can't promise anything anymore the band accord funeral shakes the album is called funeral shakes it came out last year in 2018 and it is the what was the side project of gallows drummer lee barrett um they again watford bass and they play a version of punk and roll which not a genre i ever thought i'd talk about initially it consisted of members of nervous Smoking Hearts, and of course, Lee from Gallows, the boy himself. And initially, the way I described Funeral Shakes as, imagine if the Sex Pistols covered the Beatles. Um, the saunter and swagger of an old-school rock and roll bop, which is a really fun word to say, uh, combined with a snarl and bark of classic, classic, classic British punk. I really wish I knew English. Um, lyrically cynical as well. Hal has the chorus, I wish doing just fine until you crept into my life. Um, Lovebirds has Lovebirds are flying overhead Singing the hearts out about someone else Then feels And just all just The start to finish of the song Circles It's fucking great It was 
admittedly an album that took a little bit of getting used to and a little bit of time to sink in um despite the energy of the overall composition and even the lead single actually over you it just took some time getting used to i don't know what it was by this point i was very well i feel like i was very open with musical taste i wasn't expecting lee to do like another hardcore album but i don't know what it was that like initially clicked me off because individually everyone shines on the album um m and simon make some really fantastic riffs for the record um calvin the front man just sounds incredible he really brings in that punk like mike ness kind of vibe to it all and lee's drumming could stand with anything he's ever put into a gallo song as well but like i said it just didn't sit right with me for the first couple of listens my feeling is maybe because the genre of punk and roll can limit people maybe limit them a bit too much at the start because it is quite a niche genre to begin with and when you do start giving the album a few more lessons you do start to realize that the most interesting parts of the album was when it stretches the rock and roll side of things like how is a bit more of like a surfer rock kind of thing safari is the like i've dubbed it the beatles discovering in the rock portion of the album and closing song you're so bad sounds like the first dance of uh divorce you finalize it listen to you're so bad there we go um but give it a couple of listens though i do think it's worth time and you'll be smashing out the chorus to over you lightning and how in no time and appreciating just how good a song circles is if i collated all the good things i've got to say and think about this album it would all be condensed into circles it is the most immediate song from the album lyrically wonderful it is antagonistic it is pessimistic it just bumps the pace up straight away and to scream i'm looking like a 10 you're looking like a two is one of life's few remaining pleasures i believe and if nothing else funeral shakes when they're on in the music videos and when they're on stage they have a uniform and it's like an old-fashioned um like rockabilly shirt and i know calvin does like pompadour era, but just those shirts having like a uniform like that it doesn't happen all that often but I really, I've from this, I realise I actually really enjoy it when people do that. It's such like a really subtle thing, and it just adds to the idea of conformity in the album or in the bands, I should say. And yeah, bit more of a throwback that one, but I, I, I appreciate that. I appreciate you doing this and wearing a fun shirt. Um, having said all that, both M. Foster and Lee Barrett have since left Funeral Shakes. Bit of a shame. Uh, but with that, they've got new blood in from Jack Kenny and Harris Ali. Um, it's a bit more of a coherent lineup, which makes sense because M, bless her cottons, she's got about 15,000 projects on the go at the moment. And Gallows are playing Slam Dunk. Oh, it's only a few weeks away now. Uh, Gallows are playing Slam Dunk and would have, I don't know how much in advance Slam Dunk would have been trying to get Gallows back together to play the festival. But a more coherent lineup will hopefully be able to allow Funeral Shakes to explore that punk and roll further and the ideas that they've conjured up already and how they can like expand all that. Because I genuinely think they can break with this style of music um, and be... Well, like Bronx did it and Rocket from the Crypt did it to a certain extent over in the States. So I think um, Funeral Shakes can do that kind of thing 
over here in Blighty. I don't know why I say Blighty a lot on this podcast. I very rarely, if at all, say it in actual real life, but Blighty. Go for this. I mentioned a minute ago, Rocket from the Crypt fans. Check out Funeral Shakes as well as Turbo Negro. Maybe not. They are a little bit more brash on the lyrics, but overall, the composition-wise, Turbo Negro is a good shout as well, and Social Distortion. Go for any of them. Give Funeral Shakes a go. A very um, just fun punk and roll record. It does take a little bit getting used to, but it is oh, stretching. It is a lot of fun, anyways. And the debut album, debut self-titled album, came out in 2018. And yeah, check it out if you're into any of those things, any of the sort of things that I've just tried to say out loud. With that, then that will do it for this ultra very special episode of the Desolation Sounds podcast. Hopefully, order will be resumed next week. It's been it's been a weird month, and I apologize for that deeply, sincerely. Um, just trying to think what we've got scheduled for next week. We've got Blood Command. I'm pushing on my nose. We've got Blood Command. We've got, oh, what are they called? Grand Magus, Kevin Nichols, and... Another album that I can't remember the name of. That I actually really enjoyed. Why can I remember it? I won't look it up. But you've got a mystery album as well that I can't think of. Um, all that should be coming up next week along with all the latest news and ting from the last two weeks. Hopefully as well if I remember to write it. A live review as well from UK Metalcore slash New Metal Act Borders and their album release show in Lincoln very recently. So I hope to write that up and give it to you next week. Uh, if you like this kind of format, just dissecting a band like this, do get in touch and recommend a band, and I'll and I'll give it a go. I, this was fun. They uh, showed me a lot of albums that I'd never heard of before, and they were all pretty damn good. I don't you th- don't you think? I think if I had to choose favorite, like I said, anthems closely followed by Ghost Riders in the Sky. But hopefully, there's something here for everyone, and I have done members of Gallows a little bit of justice in all their side projects where they just have like to have a bit of fun. Uh, usual social media ports to come say hi at Desolation Pod. Um, but until next week, I hope you all have a lovely week and enjoy the sun because I know I won't. Being engulfed in the sun, very difficult. Goodbye. <laughs>